You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. The Money Pit is presented by Owens Corning, the Angie App, LL Flooring, the official flooring partner of the Money Pit, the Service Contract Industry Council, and Dice Coating. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we are here to help you get your fall fix-up projects done because it is... The Goldilocks season, because it's not too hot, it's not too cold, it is just right to work inside, to work outside. So whether you've got a project on your to-do list, you have a problem you're trying to solve, maybe you have a decorating dilemma, I'm sure Leslie will have a solution for that. The number here is one eight 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 Money Pit. You can reach us with those questions there, plus you can post them at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, as we move closer to fall, well, we move closer to those fall storms, which can bring on lots of mold. But is getting rid of mold a DIY project, or do you always need a pro? Well, the answer is, it depends. <laughs> We're going to share DIY tips to help clear the air just ahead. And the fall season is on the way, and that means crisp weather, beautiful leaves, and loud leaf blowers about 7 a.m. on your Saturday mornings. <laughs> well, Paul Hope, the home and appliance editor from Consumer Reports, is joining us with a report on this season's best leaf blowers, including some that won't wake the neighborhood. I mean, if that's what you want to do. If you want to wake them up, we can suggest those as well. And if you've been putting off insulation because it's always been an itchy and a difficult job, we're going to share a new product that is as soft as cotton to handle. And whether you're doing or dreaming, we can help you make your home everything you want it to be. So give us a call, write in, post a question, whatever it is you want to communicate with us. We are happy to lend a hand with all of your home decor and DIY concerns. That number again is one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Brent in West Virginia is on the line with an HVAC question. What's going on? You guys are freezing over there? So I've got this um, two-level house. It's been cut in half, and then each each level has been raised uh, a half of a level. So it's a four-level house. So it's a split-level house? Yes. Okay. And where's the heating system located? Second floor. Second floor. Okay. And it's eight, it's um, it's hot air, so there's ducts that, that supply the air to the lower levels? It's forced air. Correct. Forced air. Okay. Got it. All right, so your problem is that your lower level is staying cold. And what about your upper level? Does that, does that overheat in the summer? It does, but the issue is that in the summertime, I can close the vents downstairs and I can cool the upstairs, and the downstairs stays cool because it's underground. But the reverse does not happen in the wintertime. Right, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that the, the split-level house is one of the most del- difficult homes to get even heating and cooling. So one thing that you could do is add an additional, well, first of all, you want to make sure that what's there is working properly. So you have good airflow coming out of the registers and you have good return 
of the air in the room going back to the HVAC system. So we take a look at the return on the supply. But I will say that probably the easiest thing to do is to add supplemental heat to cover you on the coldest days. That would probably be less expensive than running all the ductwork that you'd have to do to run to get it to work properly off just the forced air. You could put electric baseboard radiators in there as supplements. You could even put a through-the-wall heat pump, which is something actually that Leslie did to bring some additional temperature, uh, temperature consistency to her lower room of her house. And I've got one in a room in my house that had some inconsistent issues. And it just provides additional supplemental heat to be able to even out that space. Because otherwise, what you what you probably find yourself doing is you overheat the rest of the house when it's really cold downstairs. You turn the heat up to try to get, make the downstairs warmer, and then the upstairs gets gets very hot, and you're wasting a lot of energy on that heat. So trying to get that balanced out is the right thing, the right thing to do. I would tell you electric baseboards only because they're the least expensive way to go. Even though they're expensive to run, they're the least expensive to install, and you're probably not going to use them, you know, twenty four seven. You'll use them selectively. So that's a situation where I would do that, and I would also make sure they're hooked up to a central thermostat that could be operated uh, by a clock setback mechanism. How about that? Okay, I will certainly give that a try. All right, Brent, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Heading over to Oklahoma right now to talk to Sheila about a kitchen do-over. How can we help you paint those countertops? I recently, my husband and I um, remodeled our kitchen, and we refinished our cabinets, and we... They had we had some recess lighting done and we didn't have enough money for our counters. So I've been looking at online some stuff about repainting your countertops. And I, I wanted to know your opinion about it or if you'd heard um, anyone doing that or what you what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, the countertop paints have been out for probably uh, five or eight years now, and they seem to do very, very well. I know Rustoleum has an extensive line of countertop paints out. Uh, that are available in many, many colors. So I think it is a good option. I think it'll buy you a little bit of time on those countertops so that you can avoid having to replace them. And you'll have the opportunity to paint either a solid color or they have countertop paints now that kind of look like stone countertops. They look like granite and, and other types of natural materials. So I think they're a very good option, and I would encourage you to pursue it. Yeah, I actually um, found a company online that um, sells them uh, their product locally at one of our wallpaper stores and have actually purchased the items. I just haven't started the project yet. What you might want to do is try to get your hands on a piece of laminate and you can go to a home center and buy like a really small piece of laminate, like a scrap. And this way you can practice a little bit before you actually get it on your countertop. Do, do you know about the how the length of time it's and how durable it is as far as lasting? It's not as durable as the laminate, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Thank you, Tom, for taking my call. You're welcome, Sheila. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Are you ready to freshen up your home for fall, but you need a little cash and some advice to get it done? Now through October 15th, we're partnering with BobVila.com to launch the $2,500 Freshen Up for Fall giveaway. Enter every day at BobVila.com for a chance to win one of five $500 Amazon gift cards. Plenty of cash to get your next fall fix-up project done. Elizabeth in New Jersey, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? I have an outdoor shower, and all of a sudden the pressure just went very, very low. So I didn't know what to do with it. And it's the only fixture that the pressure has changed on? The rest of the, my hoses are fine outside. Uh, 
know, inside is fine. Well, have you thought about taking the shower head off and sort of disassembling it? Because you may have just some sort of sediment or something that's come in through the pipe and just sort of lodged itself at where the water outflow would come. So if you unscrew the shower head, then sort of start taking that aerator apart. But remember the order in which you're taking things out because it's got to go back in, obviously, in the opposite order. And I would just start taking things out and rinsing things off because there could be just some debris. I mean, especially if it's an outdoor shower, you know, just something clogging it up in there. And that usually does the trick. I mean, I would start there. Just make sure you put it all back in the correct order and it will work fine. Oh, I love the outdoor shower. It's the greatest. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's AirDoctorPro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT.
Now we've got Cody in Texas who's got a safety question. The dryer vent has become disconnected. Yes, Cody, this is dangerous. Hey, uh, so I was up in the attic the other day, and uh, I saw some of the insulation blowing. Uh, the dryer was running at the time. And I walked over there, and I could feel the uh, the air from the dryer blowing in from between the walls, you know. And uh, that, that, that kind of concerned me. It seems to me like it's not connected within the wall, and it, it's, it's blowing out. Is, I'm wondering, is that a big deal? Uh, do I need to go in the wall and, and replace that, or is it going to be fine the way it is? No, it's not fine at all the way it is for two reasons. Number one, it's a fire hazard because all that dust is being trapped inside that wall cavity. That's a major fire hazard. And secondly, all of that moisture from your wet clothes is being blown up into the attic and that insulation. And once it makes the insulation damp, the insulation does not work. If you even add a minor amount of moisture to insulation, it loses about a third of its R value. So you want to figure out what went wrong and get it fixed. It can vent up into the attic, but it has to continue through the attic uh, and out to an exterior wall or out to the roof or out to a soffit. So you need to figure out why it disconnected, what happened, and get it fixed in the easiest way possible. But get that dryer vent pointed outside as quickly as you can. Okay, I'll do that. There's some, uh, there's some cabinets hanging above the dryer, so I guess uh, I need to pull those off and cut into the sheetrock uh, to, to try to see where the disconnect is. Well, maybe. Why don't you just pull the dryer out to begin with, stick a light in that duct, and see if it tells you anything, and then go from there. Try to minimize the exploratory surgery, Cody. Yeah, okay, okay I'll do that. I appreciate it. The more you cut open, the more you got to fix, man. Well, if you found mold in your home, it can look pretty scary. But while many molds are harmless, some do contain mycotoxins and can be harmful, which is why it's smart to identify the source of the mold problem and then take the steps to remove it. We're going to share how in today's pro project presented by Angie, your home for everything home. First up, you need to consider whether getting rid of mold is a DIY project or one that requires the specialized skills of a pro. The answer is, it pretty much depends, but generally speaking, if the affected area is small enough, mold removal can be a project you can do yourself. So here is where to begin. First, before you consider whether to fight that mold battle, it's important to understand the enemy. Mold does tend to thrive in very moist and damp environments, but mold spores can spread quickly and easily through the air. Now, there are a number of ways to treat and go about mold removal, but it's important to know that the EPA recommends hiring a pro if the affected area is more than 10 square feet. So roughly three foot by three foot in size. Now, if you're a DIYer who wants to clean up a moldy problem, here are some tips you've got to follow. You have to remember to always wear proper safety equipment, and that includes eye protection, a mask, and gloves that are not porous. Now, when you're removing mold on non-porous materials like a tile, glass, countertop, here's what you use. You want to do a mix of bleach and water. So it's got to be at a ratio of one cup bleach to one gallon water. Then you go and apply it with a spray bottle or a sponge. You let it dry. Don't rinse it off unless it's an often used surface or, you know, the kids can get to it or a pet can get to it because that bleach is going to continue to work. Now, if you're trying to remove mold and it's in a porous material, you want to use borax. You want to mix a cup of borax to a gallon of water, apply it with a spray bottle or a sponge, scrub it clean, and then just wipe away the extra moisture or the mold particles and allow it to dry. And after you clean up your mold, be sure to prevent future mold occurrences. Check out our post, 10 Tips for Having a Mold-Free Home. It's at moneypit.com, and you will find lots of details on how you can stop mold from growing. And that's today's pro project presented by Angie. Angie's list is now Angie. 
Angie connects you with top home improvement pros who can help with projects big and small. Check out Angie.com to start your next home project today. Margaret in Virginia is next on the Money Pit. How can we help you, Margaret? I have uh, an old house, part of it built Civil War era. Okay. Uh, the floors in the oldest part are pine, and they're about two. The boards are about two and a half inches wide, and the newer part, the boards are, of the floor are oak, and they're more narrow. I want to know how to safely clean them and keep them protected. There's a product called Tree Wax, which is perfect for this particular application. It's made by uh, the Beaumont Company, and Tree Wax has been around for many, 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 many years. And it's actually a natural cleaner for hardwood floors. So you can find that at retailers across the country. You could find that online. But look for Tree Wax Natural Floor Cleaner. And it's going to enable you to clean those floors very thoroughly without damaging the wood. And that's what's critical because some of the floor products are not really designed for wood floors. Sometimes there's too much moisture in them. They don't evaporate well. And they leave too much moisture in the wood, and that causes the wood to swell or stain further. So look up Tree Wax. It's not expensive, and it works very well. Okay. So is this a put on and wipe off? Yes. Okay. That sounds good. Tree Wax is spelled T-R-E-W-A-X. Okay, one E. Okay, got it. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan and George is in hot water, literally. What's going on in your money bit, Ryan? Something kind of kind of baffled me for a little bit. I got an idea of what it might be, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, I've got a problem that I have, which is very it's always very hot in Georgia, about 80 percent of the time. And uh, every time when we turn during the day, we turn on the cold water. It's scolding, scolding hot for about two to four minutes, and uh, it depends. You know, I get it, the length on, I guess, what time of day it is. But the um, I could even turn on the hot water, and the hot water will be a lot colder than the cold than the cold water. And uh, eventually it will get colder. But uh, I checked every other water source in my house. I checked the, the shower, and the showers are fine. It's not affected whatsoever. The um, only thing, the series that I think it, it might be, which you guys probably know more about this than I do, is... The reason why it's not doing it in the showers because that has the, I don't know if you want to call it a thermostat or a temperature gauge that controls the the cold water and the hot water to, to make sure it's not too hot. But uh, And I think since we're in Georgia, a lot of the pipes are, are in the attic. And attics, when it's, you know, well, it's, when it's 90 to 100 degree, degrees out, they, it gets pretty hot in our attics. Well, I think you're, I think you're right on track with that theory. Ryan, because, um, I mean, I've seen that in my own home in, in New Jersey. I know it, and it's not in every uh, fixture, of course, because it really depends on how the pipes are run. But I know that uh, the way my kitchen is built, it was sort of an, an, it's an addition that was done in the early 1900s. And the plumbing on that is sort of the, you know, on the, on the 
for furthermost southern wall. It gets very, very warm there during the day. And sometimes when we don't use it all day and then I turn it on, I do get hot water through the cold faucet. And I know that's just because the pipes in that area are being exposed to a lot of heat. And the pipes are just warming up, and it's warming the water in turn. But after that warm water that's in those pipes that are right in that surrounding area uh, runs through the system, it gets cold again. So I think that's exactly what you're seeing here. I don't necessarily think it's a problem. It's more of an annoyance. And, yes, it does waste a little bit of water. But this does this happen in the winter, or is this just a summer issue? Not a, not 100% if it happens in the, the winter. But uh, it's it might. But I know even our, our attic sometimes in the winter does get stay pretty decently warm too but yeah the, uh, i know it's definitely in the spring fall and, and summer i mean the only thing that you could do is you could insulate those pipes if you can get access to them you could put uh, fiberglass insulating sleeves around your cold water pipes and, and that would prevent them from overheating as they are right now that'll even make a difference even though they're all the piping is all all in the, the attic and the attic's pretty high well right wherever they're heating up and, and, you know, that water gets to your faucet from the attic really quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So just a fiberglass sleeve where I've seen a little, like, uh, looks like foam, black foam sleeves. Would that work, too? Yeah, you could do that, too. I think the fiberglass sleeves are a little bit more expensive, but they'll work better. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. Then. All right. Well, good luck with that project, Ryan. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Glad we were able to solve that mystery. Well, the fall season is upon us, and that means some extra cleanup around the yard for homeowners. And two tools that can make that job a heck of a lot easier are a good leaf blower and a chainsaw. And if you're in the market for a replacement or an upgrade, Consumer Reports is an excellent resource to help you find the best products. Paul Hope is their home and appliances reporter and is joining us now with some tips. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. The sound of the leaf blower is something that I think is notoriously uh famous for disrupting neighborhoods, but with all of the battery-powered products today, uh, it's not so bad anymore, huh? It's really not as bad as it once was. There's still definitely some noise to battery-powered leaf blowers, but it's nothing compared to the gas-guzzling two-stroke engines that used to power most gas leaf blowers in a neighborhood. So with so many products available, how would you recommend a consumer sort of narrow down the choices that they would consider for their house? So let's start with leaf blowers. Sure. So within leaf blowers, I mean, you you already touched upon it. The first real question to ask yourself is whether you want to go with gas or a new battery-powered model. In the past, the sort of only appeal of battery-powered models was that they were maintenance-free and quiet, which you mentioned. But in our most recent tests, they've really gotten good. Some of them run for anywhere from 12 to 30 minutes on a single charge, which may not sound like much, but it's actually enough for a sort of medium-sized yard up to about a half acre. So that's really the first question. You know, the advantage, obviously, with gas is that it runs indefinitely. So if you run out of gas, you can just quickly refuel with, with an electric model. You do have to recharge the battery, which usually takes anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes and is obviously not what you want to be doing in the middle of your yard work. Once you've sort of narrowed down you know, the choice between gas and electric, the next thing you really want to focus on is whether you can make do with a handheld leaf blower, which is, I think, what most of us picture, or whether you want to trade up to a backpack-mounted leaf blower. You can get a backpack-mounted blower in either a battery configuration or a gas configuration. So it's what a lot of us have probably seen landscaping crews use 
Uh, but a few companies now make them that run on batteries, so they have all those sort of advantages of being quiet. They still perform really well in our tests, and uh, and you obviously disperse the weight across your shoulders, so you don't have to you know, to cart the thing around your yard, you know, just in your hands. Paul, I'm so curious, what is the testing like for when you're checking out all of these different leaf blowers? Is it like, okay, you each get 20 leaves, and whoever crosses the finish line <laughs> first wins? Like, how do you do this? It's pretty close to that, except with more than 20 leaves. <laughs> One of the big problems is a lot of leaf blowers actually are released in the summer because a lot of manufacturers want them in Home Depot and Lowe's before the big fall season. So what we actually do at Consumer Reports is at our testing facility in Yonkers, we start storing leaves a full year ahead, if not more. Wow. (laughs) And in some years, we'll store hundreds, if not, you know, a thousand plus pounds of leaves just for our leaf blower testing, just to make sure that we have a fresh supply of fallen leaves. And not unlike what you described, we basically cordon off a big section of our campus and we time how long it takes each leaf blower in our ratings to completely clear an area. And then we repeat the test on really high or tall grass to see which one sort of do a great job at getting rid of those leaves that get wet or damp or embedded in really tall grass and weeds, because that's often what sort of makes or breaks a leaf blower. You know, like most of them can clear it off of asphalt, but the ones that can get it out of tall grass are are really exceptional. To make sure the test truly emulates real life, do you start all the testing at 7 a.m. in the morning? (laughs) On a Saturday. We make sure that at least (laughs) your family is sleeping nearby, that you try to sleep in before we fire any of them up. We call them leaf blowers, but, you know, I find that I use my leaf blower for a lot of other things. Like, for example, blowing out my garage. You know, when I have the garage door open and the leaves kind of blow in and dirt and dust gets there, it's like my favorite go-to tool. I kind of just grab it all the time to clean out the garage once in a while. It's faster than using a broom. (laughs) Once you've used one of these things on leaves, your mind starts to wander, and I'll be the first to admit I've used it to clean out my car. I'll often uh, <laughs> open all four doors on my car. And rather than, you know, fighting in there, you know, with a dust buster, I'll just let the thing rip and just load dirt from one side of the car out through the other open door. Uh, maybe the test should be, can it blow random French fries out of the child's seat in the back? That should be your next test. <laughs> Except the cup holder. That's really the chat. The little cup holder embedded in the car seat is really where no leaf blower can get. But everywhere else, it does a pretty good job. Now, what about chainsaws? I feel like more and more people are sort of expanding their home, you know, lawn maintenance and yard maintenance, you know, supply kits and chainsaws definitely seem like a good addition. So where do we start looking for one of those? The story there is really similar to what we've seen in leaf blowers, which is that for years there were sort of these little rinky-dink underpowered battery chainsaws that flooded the market. And now what we've seen again in our latest testing is that the best battery-powered chainsaws actually outperform gas chainsaws in many cases. And by outperform, we test chainsaws by cutting through 10-inch square oak beams over and over and over and over again, timing how long it takes to make each cut. And then in the case of battery models, we count how many cuts the saw can make before you have to recharge the battery. And in some cases, we're able to cut through 130 pieces of this 10-inch oak beam, you know, on a single charge, and the saw is doing it just as fast as a gas saw would. So the first place to start again is definitely, you know, asking yourself whether you want to go with the battery-powered electric or whether you want to go with gas. But for more and more people, we really think the answer is definitely battery, you know, Gas saws are really now just sort of essential for people who are, you know, landscapers or part of a cleanup crew where you really need to be able to run the tool indefinitely. But other than that, I mean, most people are pretty well served in their home with a battery-powered chainsaw. After cutting thousands of oak logs, you have a Consumer Reports lumberjack team that make a pizza on the weekends at some of these shows? We should, or, or, <laughs> or see if we can get into some of that decorative wood carving yeah, or ice, carving. ice sculpting, <laughs> which you can also do with a chainsaw. There you go.
Paul Hope is the home and appliances reporter for Consumer Reports. And if you want to pick up any product, your first step should be ConsumerReports.org. See if they've evaluated it because their work is flawless. They provide really good information. And I particularly enjoyed a post that you had not too long ago. Not only do you talk about the best products, you actually outed all the worst products in some of your tests. So you guys don't <laughs> hold back. We don't. And you're not sponsor supported. So there's no conflicts of interest. The website, again, is ConsumerReports.org. Paul Hope, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit, and have a great fall. Thanks. Hey, if you're a pro contractor, if you're a remodeler or a builder, we've just launched a brand new podcast presented by LL Flooring called the Profiles Podcast. And in it, we profile successful pros who are setting examples, overcoming challenges, and sharing what it takes to build a great business and a successful life so we can all benefit from their experiences. Episode number four hits this week, and we feature Carlos Mongalo. Carlos is a second-generation Nicaraguan immigrant, and he went from being a medical student to running his father's flooring business to launching the National Flooring Contractors Apprenticeship Program, which is neat because it's a nationwide program that helps close the skills gap by training and connecting students with qualified contractors. You can listen and follow the Profiles podcast at llflooring.com slash pro. That's llflooring.com slash pro or wherever you get your pods. Linda in Rhode Island's on the line and needs some help with winterizing the AC unit. What's going on? Well, I was wondering if someone could give me this proper procedure to shut down the unit for the winter because it was not successful last winter. I ended up with a problem when I went to start it up in the spring. So I thought perhaps I had not done something that maybe should have been done that I wasn't aware of. Uh, probably just bad luck, Linda. You know, when you have an outside uh, central air conditioning compressor, there's really not much to be done in the winter, except that what we generally recommend is that you turn the power off to it, and then you cover the top of it. One thing you don't want to do is cover the sides of it, because you have to let moisture move in and move out. If you completely wrap it up, I've seen people completely wrap them up like a, like a, like a holiday package, Bad idea because that traps a lot of moisture inside and can cause condensation and corrosion. You really just want to cover the top to kind of keep leaves out. But other than that, you just leave it exposed and, and nothing should happen to it as a result of that. Oh, very good. Well, I certainly will follow that this year because I did exactly what you said. I wrapped it up like a package thinking <laughs> I was protecting it. <laughs> and maybe maybe that didn't work out so well. So, yeah, I think you maybe gave it a little bit too much TLC. So just cover the top. Uh, to stop the leaves from getting in, but leave the sides open so it can uh, air out properly, okay, so it can ventilate properly. Well, thank you ever so much. Linda, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, if you've been putting off adding insulation to your home because it's always been an itchy and difficult job to do, there's a new product out that makes this an easy, comfortable project to tackle. Yeah, we're talking about the next generation of insulation out from Owens Corning. It's working to change your mind about fiberglass insulation, and it's called Owens Corning Pink Next-Gen Fiberglass. And it's interesting because it's made with advanced fiber technology that makes it feel as soft as cotton, not kind of as scratchy as the fiberglass you may be used to. Yeah, it's actually very comfortable to handle, and it's faster to install. It's also stiffer, which makes it easy to slide right into that wall cavity and not compress or fall out. Now, if you've ever tried to install insulation overhead, well, this is something that you're really going to appreciate. Plus, in addition to making your home energy efficient, it can also help absorb sound so your house is quiet as well as comfortable. 
Check out the new Owens Corning Pink Next Gen installation at pinknextgen.com. That's pinknextgen.com. Judith in Arkansas is on the line and needs some help with some brickwork. What's going on? Well, we've got a little crack, and it's going up the wall, and um, we uh, don't know exactly what's going on. We'd like to just repair it and not re-brick the whole side of the house. Doesn't seem to be a foundation issue, and I say that because there's not any stretch cracks on the inside anywhere. So the crack that you're seeing is on the brick itself, within the brick, or in the mortar? It's it starts in the mortar, but then it crosses the brick. Is it surrounding a window? Let me look because I'm walking out here to look at it. No, <laughs> okay. there is no window on this side of the house. And you've never seen a crack? Is this brand new? Like how new are we talking this about? This we bought this house in two thousand eight, right before they gave the tax the tax credit that uh you didn't have to pay back. We got the one that okay. you had to pay back. Okay. <laughs> so it's new since two thousand eight? Right. Look, there could be a lot of reasons that that's happening, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have a problem with your foundation. Uh, I mean, it could be a, a poor drainage condition around the house that's making it cause more movement. What I would do is, unless it's absolutely active, means it's, it's continuing to grow, I would simply seal it. I would choose a silicone sealant that would closely mimic the color of the brick and the mortar, and I would seal it because the more water you let get in there, the faster it's going to freeze and break and expand and get worse. Uh, almost all you know brick homes and, and masonry foundations have some kind of crack in them, so it's not unusual. But I would seal it, and then I would monitor it. And if you think it's continuing to grow, at that point, I would have either a professional home inspector or a structural engineer look at it, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Well, B posted, she lives in central New York and says, last year, her 25-year-old attached garage, we had it insulated and sheetrocked. Last winter, there was moisture on the windows for the first time, and she wants to know how to get rid of all that excess moisture. Congratulations, B. <laughs> Your garage is doing exactly what you just uh, made it do by putting all that insulation in, but what you're seeing is condensation. Because the garage is now warm, but the windows are not well insulated. So that warm moisture, warmer moist air in the garage is actually condensing on the cold glass. Uh, an easy thing to do here would be to put some thermal blinds on the window. So you have sort of a layer between the glass and the warm air. That will sort of uh, interrupt that condensation flow a bit. And I think you'll find you'll get a lot less moisture when that happens. All right, next up, Vicky writes in saying, we have a cedar deck that was finished twice with a dark stain. After about a year, the stain started peeling like paint. We took some of it off with a pressure washer, which has then splintered some of the wood. How do we remove the rest of the stain, and what do we do to refinish it? I want to stop the peeling. So if you've got paint that's peeling or stain that's peeling, you've got to get it off because you cannot put a new stain or new paint on top of a bad surface because it's just not going to stick, right? So I want you to continue to remove the rest of that, but then I want you to take this interim step, and that is to use what's called a high-bond primer. This is a primer that has a lot of adhesive qualities. It will stick to that deteriorated wood. It will get into the nooks and the crannies, really lock it in. And on top of that, you can put a last coat of paint, and it'll look just perfect, and it'll last that way without peeling off again. All right, Vicky, good luck with that project, and really pick a good color you like because hopefully it's going to stick around for a long time. Well, when the temperatures drop, mice, rats, and other rodents love to make their way into your homes for a relief from the chill. 
Leslie has tips on how to keep them from doing just that in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, I wish it was as easy as hanging a no vacancy sign outside of your house, you know, to keep those mice and the critters away, but it's not. But you can also make some changes that'll keep them away and, you know, move on to the next warm haven. So here we go. You got to remember that mice can squeeze through spaces smaller than a nickel. So you have to seal any potential entrances to your home with sheet metal, steel wool, or even cement. Expandable foam insulation, I mean, they can gnaw through that. So if you take that route, you want to add some steel wool to the mix so they just can't chew through the foam. Now, if your dog or cat isn't the only animal that comes running at the smell of pet food, whether it's wet or dry, the rodents love the smell of dog food as well. I mean, it's so enticing that I have seen them chew through heavy-duty food bags, I mean, even plastic bins just to get at the food. So you want to keep that dry pet food in sealed metal containers and rinse out your pet food bowls before heading to bed every night. Now, you also want to give your kitchen counters and the tables a a good cleaning in the evening, get those crumbs off the surfaces. Any outdoor animal is going to say, ooh, look at this tiny little crumb, and come running. And while it doesn't help to get their IQs, critters love newspapers and magazines just as much as we do. So get rid of stacks of papers and cardboard that all of these rodents can turn into wonderful nesting sites. I mean, you're really handing them a great place to live if you're leaving out stacks of papers. If you're looking for some more ways to keep your house critter free, head over to moneypit.com where we have solutions for all the areas of your home inside and out. Absolutely. Time to show those mice the eviction sign. Hey, coming up next time on the show, laminate countertops. They can give you the look of natural stone without the price, but they are definitely not quite as durable. However, the good news is that laminate tops are actually pretty easy to repair. We're going to share some tricks to trade, do just that, in the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.